are listening to This Is Wellness, the podcast where wellness looks different for everyone. Where you spend your day has an incredible impact on your overall functioning. But how often are we looking at superficial changes to our environment rather than trying to connect with it in different ways? Today, our hosts explore ways to engage with your environment to make where you are the place you want to be. Welcome back to This Is Wellness. For our fourth episode, we're talking today about environmental wellness. I'm Sarah Polk, and joining me is the wonderful Celeste Nevadas. Oh, hello. That's me. That is you. So when I tell you environmental wellness, what do you think of? I think about recycling water bottles. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Definitely think, an important part of the environment. Right. And getting those out in the blue bin, rolled out. I also think about plants and just overall keeping the earth green, like you've got really beautiful green plants in here now, and trying to maintain the environment and their wellness as well. Very much so. So both of those things are twofold to what environmental wellness really is. So it's both our immediate environment around us. So your office, your home space, your outdoor space, where you live, the Mm -hmm. city that you choose to live in, etc. And then also your connection to the environment as a whole at a Mm. larger level. So you can't really separate the two entirely when you're thinking about the environment. And people tend to, so they tend to split it, right? You're either thinking about the environment and your carbon footprint and Mm -hmm. your impact on things and not necessarily thinking about your environmental wellness of, am I in a safe space or am I in a comfortable space? Am I in a space that feels like where I want to be with what's going on in my life? So yes, I have lots of plants in my office. I have lots of bright colors. I really try to focus on creating a space around me that feels like me and feels welcoming and open. Um, I'm a very bubbly person. I like bright colors. I try to kind of incorporate all of that and really focus on um, making sure that the space and the things that are around me in my environment feel like my personality. So even if you know anything about me and you walk into my office or you know nothing about me and walk into my office, you're like, okay, this feels like Sarah. So I'm thinking about spaces that I've visited in my lifetime, and I'm thinking about like a children's hospital, right? The environment for that should be very bright and colorful. And like, I think ours, our county children's hospital is like rocket ships everywhere. and just like really cool stuff. That's conducive. That's environmental wellness because it's conducive to children's health. Exactly. So setting the tone through, I don't know, decor, color, space, in order to create an environment that is helpful to the wellness of the people that come in your home or come into your, you know, children's hospital or even our therapy offices that I know we uh, get some heat on sometimes like why do all therapists have the same bookshelf or like neutral earth tones and I'm like, uh, because we're trying to set the, the tone and we're trying to create an environmental space that's really calming and inviting and just sets a tone for peace and healing. Yeah, and it definitely also provides you that opportunity to build that rapport. Because even though I am very into bright colors, my office still has lots of white space and lots of neutral space. So Mm -hmm. it's like pops of color that give you my feel without it being overwhelming. Right. Now, if I had painted my walls hot pink, which I would love, I'm sure no one else would love that. Can I paint my walls hot pink? No. Dang. Okay. (laughs) I figured I'd try. I figured I'd try. But being able to bring those different elements that really show that comfortable side, the plants that we choose, the stuffed animals that I have. I work with kids too. So I've got some plastic dinosaurs on the shelves. I have unicorns. But then at the same time, I have my evidence-based practice books so that someone who's coming in here isn't like, what is this clown who is like (laughs) going to throw plastic dinosaurs at me and try to tell me about what I need to do? But really, it's all about looking at your overall environment, because the other part is I spent a lot of time in this office. Mm -hmm. I need it to be comfortable for me as well. 
And so when you're looking at your environment, it can be everything from and so within social work, we really look at your micro, your macro and your your micro, meso and macro levels of community and of wellness and social work and needs. So your micro level is going to be that very like personalized my immediate environment around me. So if I'm looking at enhancing my immediate environment, that's going to be my office and making it comfortable for me, my home, making it comfortable for me. Mm. Your meso level is going to be looking more at your kind of middle grade. That's going to be your community, the city that you're living in, choosing where you're going to live in that meso level, what part of town you live in. How connected are you to that community and that environment around you? And then the macro level is going to be the bigger country or the world at large and how you're connecting to the environment at that macro level in a larger sense. So are you saying that at a meso level, because I'm not a social worker, folks, but at the meso level, so my community and part of town that I live in, if I contribute or connect to that, you know, in the way that I spend my volunteer time or, um, you know, making sure the library that's in my community area is... I don't know, funded because that's important to me, more kept clean, those kinds of things that is also contributing to my wellness. Yes, very much so. Or even like when you're trying, you're deciding to buy a house and you're looking at, well, what do the other houses in the area look like? My house may look super cute and super exciting, but are the other houses is the park like what does that park look like? And then am I if I'm moving in here, what am I going to do to help revamp that park, revitalize it, keep it clean, Mm -hmm. be able to really enhance that environment around me Mm -hmm. so that not only I am better off, but also everybody around me, because we know we have lots of evidence that Mm -hmm. healthy libraries, healthy parks, healthy communities have healthier people, right? So in the macro or in the overall social work aspect, when I kind of break it down in that way, we really need to look at, are you having house plants if you can keep them alive? If you can't keep them alive, don't feel ashamed that you can't keep plants alive. That's fine. Fake plants are also great. They can be beautiful and wonderful too. I also know people who will have plants and they're like, but my cats, they'll rip them apart or things like that too. And that's fine. Also, what if you don't like plants? You don't have to have any of them, but it really is looking at in my microcosm in my environment, what are the things that I can do to modify this to make it more welcoming for my wellness and appealing for my wellness? Mm -hmm. And that can be things like, yes, as stereotypical as it sounds, throw pillows and scented candles and aromatherapy and things like that. But that's really only at that individual level. Right. If you're trying to connect at the larger level, then it's looking at, okay, well, I know that this is the environment around where I live or this is my community. How am I going to engage in that way and enhance it and make sure that I'm still connected to that environment? And I think that's where I'm learning even in real time with you here. Like I understand my personal environment and my wellness. I I know that because I do love candles in my home. I like the colors that I pick. I like the basic artwork I have around me. And that is because like in my office that I spend a lot of time in or in my home office or in my, you know, even kitchen it's designed for me. And, exactly. and what you have a lot of control over that. Right. But the idea of contributing to the community that I live in and work in and contributing to the wellness of others and how that can positively impact me. I had not put that together through this environmental wellness idea, I guess. I'm connecting those dots in real time, y'all. <laughs> but it's great to think about because I think it's easy to uh, look around and say, this is bad. This is bad. This is bad. I hate this, 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 this. Right. Mm-hmm. But to understand that by making even small efforts to contribute to the environment you live in, and that means your community directly, it can have a really positive impact on your wellness. And just reminding us of that rather than feeding into just the easy, long, 
list of things that we don't like. Right. Exactly. And when you think about to the macro level, it can be so daunting mm-hmm. to think about. And don't get me wrong. I think we all need to do our part in terms of protecting the environment and having a good impact on the environment. But also, if we look at the science of it, we can see where bigger manufacturing is a bigger impact on the environment. And I feel like me recycling my water bottles is important, but also, oh, my gosh, how can I even it doesn't make a dent. Right. It can feel really overwhelming in that Mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. But then if I look at, okay, well, what ways in this meso level am I able to actually help and make an impact? We can clean up our park. Yeah. We can help make sure that the school down the street is able to have have a nice, clean playground area that we can utilize as well. And that's the environment part of it. And there's kind of a mix, right, where there's a how much can I impact the community level of my environment around me or do I need to look at relocating or do I need to look at kind of shifting and changing that because if you look at El Paso as a city as your mezzo level of environment there are a lot of things about El Paso that some people don't like now I for one love the weather but I know people who are like I really need four seasons that really is something that I'm really drawn to okay if that's something that you can then do and want that's a part of your environmental wellness that you should look at and should consider when you're trying to choose how, like, what is best for your family and what is best for your overall wellness as you engage with the world around you. And I think it's easier said than done to say, I'm going to recycle these, you know, four, bo- four water bottles a week, whatever you consume. And that is going to change everything or shifting into this isn't changing anything. So what's the point? Like Exactly. It's kind of know? a tough line to walk. And I mm-hmm. would say you can do both. I agree. You can do the things that you know and feel comfortable doing that will impact at that larger level, reducing your plastic intake and then also recycling whatever it is that you are using, reducing your carbon footprint, offsetting your carbon from when you travel and things like that. Yeah. I don't think that should be underscored because, yes, we all do have that individual environmental impact that we shouldn't ignore. I think it's that when we are looking at how we shift that perspective We always try to come back to those smaller, more manageable things Mm -hmm. within our wellness talks, right? And I think of the community level and that mezzo level, what are the things that I can shift that are slightly bigger than just me, bigger than just me having my house plants and making sure that they are watered and, you know, happy, making sure that my colors are what I want. And how do I then take that a little bit outside of me, just one level out? Yeah, stretch yourself. Exactly. So when I think of that, I actually see things like the little free libraries that pop up. Mm -hmm. Whenever I see one of those in a neighborhood, I'm like, okay, there is someone here who cares about this community Mm -hmm. outside of just their home. Yeah. And it's not just the person who put that little free library up or little free pantry. I've seen those around town too, where, Mm -hmm. you know, people are putting hygiene products, canned goods, things like that for people to be able to utilize. It's also then other people contributing. It's not just one person putting books in there. It's not just one person putting tubes of toothpaste in there. It's a whole community. And that is then enhancing that environment for everybody involved. Even if you aren't utilizing it, you're still able to kind of take part in that. And there is a level of comfort that comes from seeing that and knowing your neighbors have your back in some level of way. And research has shown extensively that we do better together. Exactly. And when we've got a tribe or we've got a group or we've got a team, we all do better together when we move forward together. And so if we can 
set the standard to be I care about you and you care about me and these really small but really impactful gestures I think we improve the wellness of ourselves but also the people around us I mean even I hate to keep going back but like in COVID when we first started out remember when they were doing the pots and pans in Italy making all the sounds like just this wonderful sense of togetherness even though things were awful we need more of that we need that grand gesture and and it can be grand or small but it just has a really great big impact I think being together and seeing each other supporting one another even in the tiniest of ways exactly so there's actually a really good study that was done by Philip Zimbardo for so so for anybody who isn't a psychology or neuroscience person Philip Zimbardo you may be familiar with the Stanford Prison Project where they had college students who were both given roles of prisoners as well as given roles of prison guards and they actually had to stop the experiment mm-hmm. because it went south really quick people were taking on those roles in such unhealthy ways and really empowered or disempowered by those labels and it got very dangerous very quickly that would not pass an ibr a like review board for a study today he has dedicated his life to something called the lucifer effect and there's a really good book out there it's called the lucifer effect it's absolutely beautiful and it's Mm. all about how labels and those sense of who is in your label with you who is in your crew who is in your group Mm. and how that impacts your engagement with the world around you So if you are labeled as a prison guard, you take on certain roles. And if you are labeled as a prisoner, you take on certain roles. Mm. And it happens without us even realizing it. So one of the things that he did in this book, The Lucifer Effect, he talks about how they took a car, they propped the hood up, and they put it in one neighborhood that was kind of considered more affluent and also was the type of neighborhood where people would say, yes, I know my neighbors, Mm. versus they put it in a neighborhood where people were very disconnected from their community. Mm. What do you think happened to those cars? When you know your neighbor, they helped you out? Yes. Okay. So that car was untouched for about two weeks. It just sat there with the hood up until it was raining. And someone actually left their house, went out, put the hood down. Oh. And that was all the only time that that car was touched Mm -hmm. in a two-week period of time. Mm -hmm. In the neighborhood, that was a lot more disconnected, where people either said they didn't trust their neighbors, didn't feel comfortable in their community. Mm. What do you think happened to that car? Oh, I don't want to know. Yeah, no, it's not. It's exactly what you're assuming. Yeah, Um, yeah. It was basically stripped down. Mm. And a part of that is because there wasn't that community togetherness in looking at it. And there are a lot of reasons that go into that of what has happened to that community at Mm. a larger level. Right. Right. That like systemic level versus also individually with each other of how, you know, maybe people have hurt each other or things like that. And what they found was the look of how connected you are to the people around you or the people that you're engaging with really is going to determine what you take on in terms of helping to ensure other people's wellness, as -hmm. well as your overall wellness that you're engaging with. I get that. I see that. And I think about just the way I've grown up. We moved a bunch growing up. So I didn't always know my neighbors. But as I got older, there was one particular neighborhood that I knew. We knew all the neighbors. The garage doors were always open after five. Like it was just hanging out and their kids running around. And I felt probably the safest there too, just because I was like, even if my you know, parents couldn't, I don't know, do something for me or weren't home or whatever, I knew I could run next door to somebody else. And that sense of security and that safety. Mm-hmm. And that's was the part there. where you were more connected with your environment. Right. And your community. So I think when we think of environment, we really do think of that very physical space yeah. around you. But we as people create the environment around us as well. So are you telling me I need to get to know my neighbors better? Probably not a bad idea. Okay. 
Yeah, I can do that. That's mm-hmm. an actionable takeaway. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, making those connections with your neighbors or even when you think about the people. So there's this, this may come back to him. There's this little kid. He's not a little kid. I've seen him over the last two or three years. He rollerblades Ooh. and he rollerblades down this certain corner in El Paso that I would drive by mm-hmm. and I would see him and we call him the rollerblading kid. And I didn't see him for a while. And I was kind of worried. And I realized there are connections that we have with people. I mean, think about it. And sometimes I want to know, like, what do people think? People who see me all the time out walking my dogs or something, do they have a name for me like the rollerblading kid? Dog lady. The dog lady. (laughs) Um, Yes, the dog lady who looks like she's probably really not awake right now. But when you think about how if something were to happen to that kid, I do not know his name. Mm. I don't know where he lives. I know he lives somewhere in that area and I know he knows how to rollerblade. That's it. That's all I got. I have seen him grow over the last three years. Oh. And if something were to happen to him, I mean, obviously, if something were to happen to anybody and I saw that, I would stop and I would help them. But you're invested. But I am invested in him. And I was. There was like a two week period of time where I hadn't seen him at all on my drive, my usual drive time. And then a couple of weeks later, I saw him and I was like, oh, okay. Rollerblade kid is okay. Rollerblade kid is okay. (laughs) There are ways that we engage with our community around us. And this is where you're thinking about your interaction and your output into the environment too, right? Mm -hmm. Think of how it is when you are in that bad day mood Mm. and the energy that you're putting out Mm -hmm. and how that contributes to or detracts from your connection to your community and the environment around you. Well, and you know what? I'm thinking this is giving me new insight. CDC came out with how loneliness exactly has, is like the highest health risk. I mean, this is pre-COVID, I'm sure, but one of the highest health risks. And then COVID exacerbated that yes, when we were did. all in lockdown. And so thinking about that now as we are coming out of that, how many of us, one, feel maybe insecure or uncomfortable connecting with others? And two, just how to restart that conversation like, hey neighbor or hi friend like how to make new friends again or how to connect with the world again and how does that contribute to our wellness and so I hadn't considered that part of my environment but I'm definitely rethinking that again connecting dots in real time (laughs) with you all but that does contribute to my environment because it does contribute to my safety it does contribute to my emotional well-being and so it just it's a really easy small step to improve wellness exactly and one of the big takeaways too from the COVID pandemic. And it's something that I noticed too. I have friends from all over the country, all over the world that because of COVID and everything really being virtual, I reconnected with them in a way Mm. that I hadn't previously Mm -hmm. and also made new friends because there was this new way of connecting that was socially acceptable, right? Mm -hmm. There is a brand new generation out there that is full of kiddos and young adults who have friends they've never seen, but they have had a lot of investment in their friendship. Mm -hmm. And that those virtual connections, and it can be very difficult in seeing that generational divide just because that's not something that was super normal. For millennials, we kind of get it because I think we really kind of started to dabble with it. AOL Instant Messenger. AOL Instant (laughs) The Yahoo Chats. Oh, gosh. I remember being in the Yahoo Chat forums. But the thing is, it's important to make sure that, yes, we have that online environment and it's important to take steps to protect yourself, kind of like we talked about in the social media, but then also, of course, basic online safety, right? Right. And then also being able to acknowledge that 
you can be connected with someone on that intellectual and emotional level, but not necessarily in that physical space. And you Mm -hmm. still need that physical space connection. If we look at some of those takeaways from COVID and we see that impact of loneliness and we see the impact of that kind of isolation, the difficulty of re-engaging with people face to face and some of the kids that are now having to go to school, little Mm, ones who are going to school in person for the first time and really struggling with that. It's Mm -hmm. a skill just like any other. Right. And it really does impact your overall wellness because that is the reality of the environment where you're living and the needs that you have in that environment to be safe and to be well. So you are telling me I need to take the time to invest in my micro environment. Yes. And the things that are immediately around me in order to be well. And things outside of me as well to ensure the wellness of the community and places that I live and work in. Correct. Because again, work too. If I spend all my time here and everybody else is miserable, but I'm skipping through the hallways. (laughs) Yeah, that doesn't have a very good look. (laughs) No, and I'm not going to be very popular. Nobody's going to want to talk to me. Mm -hmm. So making those steps or taking those steps to make a difference within the, the communities and the worlds that we live in in order for our communities to be well. And sometimes they're a very physical, visible thing. Maybe it is, you know, getting fresh paint and or decorating correctly and appropriately, depending on where it is that you're working. But then it's also being able to engage and recognize maybe we can't even change the physical environment, but we can change that emotional and social environment that's around us to enhance it and make it a little bit better. Even small steps, though, if you can't. I know paint is expensive and maybe on back order, as we're seeing. Yes. Um, but even rearranging your furniture, organizing things, keeping your environment in a not a spick and span, but in a tidy, you know, place. Well, and there's a lot of safety that comes from that too, right? Right. So if you even just look at the safety of making sure, you know, the furniture is not blocking exits and things like that, Mm -hmm. there is an emotional safety that comes from being physically safe and secure that is vitally important. And I know as therapists, we are kind of constantly looking at, well, how am I as safe as possible in my room? How can I make sure in my office I'm as safe as possible for my clients as well? Even things like your waiting areas and the the way that you have things set up, it's important to keep that physical safety within all of it, because you can't necessarily be psychologically safe if you aren't physically safe. If we think about our hierarchy of needs, right, Mm -hmm. going back to good old Maslow, if anyone's not familiar with him, your physical needs need to be met before you can start to work on those emotional and intellectual needs and well-being. So go home, rearrange your furniture, buy some plants if you can take (laughs) care of them. Rearrange your furniture (laughs) safely. If it is something heavy, please wait until you have some help. (laughs) Don't say Sarah and Celeste said to move all this and now I threw out my back. Please don't do that. No. But take a look around at your environment and think, okay, what are some small changes I can make Mm -hmm. and that I feel comfortable doing to make it to where I feel happier, safer, more well in this space? That's awesome. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so are you going to work on some houseplants in your office? Um, No. I know that that brings me no wellness because watching my plants die and be sad over time just makes me feel like a bad plant mom. So I have invested in some really quality fake plants. They're great. And you would not know it. Except for the fact that you just told everyone. Well, erase this part. Okay. We'll make sure that that's edited out. Thank you so much for joining us and talking about our environmental wellness. If you can, please reach out to your community and engage with your environment in a way that maybe you hadn't thought of before. We'll see you next week. This is Wellness. This is Wellness is a podcast by Emergence Health Network. It's hosted by Celeste Nevadez and Sarah Polk. Audio production by Andrew J. Polk and produced by Ashley Sandoval.